Hey everybody, what's up? We're back. Agree to disagree here on VIC. We're on Zoom again with another episode. I'm Noah Schwartz, your host for today, alongside Aiden, Dean, and Jack. What's up, fellas? How are we? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, All right. Had a good weekend. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with football today because football is back. So we'll talk about some week one games. We will talk about the big sale of the New York Mets. I know Jack and I are quite happy today. Steve Cohen has officially bought the team. He just needs to be approved uh, later this year, which we hope will happen. And we'll talk about the LA Clippers and what's next for them as they play game seven tomorrow in advance of the conference finals. So let's get right into it. Uh, let's start with the Jets-Bills game from yesterday. Dean, I know you guys had a big win. You creamed the heck out of my Jets with Jack. Uh, Sam Darnold was awful yesterday. So what did you think? How was your team? And uh, how are you feeling at, at 1-0? Well, before you go off on me later, let me go off on you, and especially the man, Jack, who picked the Jets to win. Did go you, right ahead. Dude, yeah, did you really think you would come into Buffalo without fans and still win the game? I told you, this is Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to take the next step. He's got a better receiving core as displayed on Sunday. Granted, it is the Jets. You saw the relationship that him and Stephon Diggs, the chemistry they built early, the chemistry with John Brown still there. Um, I would the the little design outside runs. I would I'm a little concerned about considering that last year he averaged I think one fumble a game, which him running does alert me because sometimes Wait, I understand. Hold up, he had 16 fumbles last year. I think he had like 16 or 24. He had like Ooh. somewhere we saw on CBS. I completely missed that. Wow, I don't know if it was that many fumbles, but yeah, he, he is he is prone to fumbling. I yeah. knew I knew he was prone, but. He, I know him and Carson Wentz are two of like the leading fumblers among quarterbacks. Daniel Jones. Yeah. I think me and Jack saw something like that, right? On like CBS. It was like Josh. I'm looking Allen. up his stat. I, I don't, I'm concerned the way that he runs sometimes. Like, listen, I understand run when you need to, and he's athletic. I get that, but you got to slide or run out of bounds. If you're trying to tuck your head or like get hit like that, you're asking for a fumble. And it's like, you know, didn't the Patriots game last year teach you a lesson or any other game like if the more you do this the more hits you're gonna get the more that you're gonna lose that ball but the defense was on point uh i'm really impressed with the offense i'm excited for this offense and yeah i, I love the receiving all right jack i want to hear about you because i know you were pretty angry about what happened yesterday yeah i was pretty angry about it pretty much um it's what's been said from this from all of last season. It starts with coaching. Adam Gase just he he can't be here. This entire team didn't look prepared whatsoever. The receivers, Darnold and the receivers did not have their timing was off. Darnold looked absolutely horrific. He got away. We his stats were padded because he got a, a lucky uh, sixty nine yard screen pass to Crowder for a touchdown. And um it was just awful all around. The defense is missing a lot of holes. One the only the one bright spot of the game for me was Marcus May. He looked really, really good, and hopefully he can build on that. Two sacks and, like, a lot of tackles. So, Forced yeah. fumble too, right? Yeah. He had, yeah. A, yep. he had a big game. He was playing like Jamal. Not as good, obviously, but you know what I mean. Anyway, um, it, like I said, it all starts with Adam Gase. And the biggest thing that I take away from this is, obviously I know it's him, but, like, after the game and his press conference when he's giving – he always puts the blame on somebody else. He never takes part. Like he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do a good job in the game plan. He didn't do. He didn't do a good job preparing. It's like he does. He doesn't make adjustments. 
and he just doesn't take responsibility. Like Jamal Adams said when he went on a rant right before he got traded, the guy is arrogant. He doesn't communicate with players, and he doesn't like he doesn't he's not he doesn't have what's the word I'm trying to say. He's not open to the players. Yeah, okay. He's not open to the players, and he doesn't have like a relationship with everybody. And I just think it's completely wrong. It's the environment and the attitude in that in the organization is just bad right now. And no, I agree. I agree, Jack. It's chaotic. It's cha- it's chaotic. And and I think we've heard a lot about his relationships with the star players. You know, Le'Veon Bell. That one's been pretty well documented. Darnold. Yeah. Uh, d- definitely Jamal Adams. But I think even more than just the way that Gase has handled his his ability to to, to handle uh, to deal with the players, it's it's really just the way that he's prepared the team. And you mentioned they weren't prepared yesterday, but. I mean, taking a penalty on a kickoff, like a like a delay yeah. game like that. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's like ridiculous. And it's just the things that they do sometimes. It's just, it's like they're a college team and like a low level college team. I mean, Alabama's not making mistakes like that. Yeah, and and oh. they just look so out of sync at, at times. It's horrible. Yeah, but also this is another thing that bothers me. I know why I talked about this a little bit with you, but I just take this as an example. Why is it he's supposed to be like a quarterback guru and an offensive genius? Why is it all the guys that he left are now doing better? Without, yeah. no, you're Ryan right. Tannehill, Tannehill, Tannehill is a great example. Now, why is Devontae Parker playing well now instead of when you were there? Tannehill is actually a, a great Kenyon example. Drake, another I mean, one. He yeah, came in. Even Gesicki stepped up. Tannehill why are all came these players in out of college looking playing? looking good uh, and looking like he could be a franchise a franchise quarterback down in Miami, and he looked good for a season, and then all of a sudden, just nothing, nothing from him. And Adam, or he, he leaves Adam Gase's system, and all of a sudden he is a quality starter. You know, he's yeah. player of the year. He leads his team nearly to the Super Bowl. Yeah, when you're, yeah, you're right. when you label yourself an offensive genius, players when you have players shouldn't be getting better when they're coached by somebody else. I'm and by the way, not only have they improved in other places, but this quarterback has regressed yeah. since and he got here. Darnold, and God forbid, if this is his last season with the Jets, I'm not going to ever say he was a bust because he just got caught in the absolutely worst situation. He never Awful. had, he never had a good coach. Todd Bowles didn't do anything for him. Mike McCagnan never did anything for him. They never put a good team around him. Like I'm not saying he's going to be better, but if you put him in a situation where, like, if you put him where, where Josh Allen is, or you put him him where uh, the, you put him on the Cleveland Browns, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but I think you think this guy's clearly an NFL starting quarterback. I agree. No, agree. Josh, uh, Sam Darnold is not. Is he looked not like a he was a college kid yesterday, and I'm hoping he, he turned it around. I'm not going to say he's on pace. He is on pace to be a bust but he is not a bust yet. I think you're right. I want to see what he can do without Adam Gase and see if he can flourish in a system that is, you know, good. The problem is, Aiden, he might not get the chance to because if Joe Douglas – and Joe Douglas didn't draft Sam Darnold, remember that. So yeah. if they fire Gase at the end of the year, which obviously is the expectation at this point. Fire him midseason. Fire even him if they now. do that. Right. Let's say that – even if they do it at some point during the year after whatever it is, they go into the draft, they're going to have two first-round picks – with this roster, they may be the number one pick. I mean, Jacksonville won yesterday. I mean, you have the jersey on right now, Aiden. Right, they they could look to move. They could look to move a pick. So they could potentially be in the top three or four. And when you have Justin Fields and Lawrence and Trey Lance and these other quarterbacks that are going to be there next year, they may look to draft one if Darnold doesn't prove himself. And again, as you said, Jack, it's it's really not much on Darnold. Like, I mean, you can talk about other quarterbacks, and 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 we know the the way to win in this league now is get a franchise young guy, draft him, and in his rookie contract get a ton of pieces and win. I mean, we've seen it with Patrick Mahomes on his rookie contract, Jared Goff on his rookie contract. They went to the Super Bowl. It's the way that you win in this league. Now you get a young guy and you surround him with talent. The Jets haven't even come close to doing it. And then it. 
here's here's what I want to know, especially yeah. from you two Jets fans. If you guys are the GM of another team and the Jets decide to move on from Sam Darnold and they cut him or they trade him, are you going to be taking Sam Darnold with what you have seen him do so far? Because you take a chance on him for sure. I would say, yeah, especially maybe as a backup, maybe sign him as a backup, but not to be your no, franchise. But also, he's still super young. He's only twenty-three years old. He's not even close to his prime. So still so is so is Josh prime. Rosen, and two teams have already passed on him. No, and yeah. I, Josh Rosen yeah. didn't get treated fairly in this league either. Josh, 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 Josh Rosen was in the worst. Darnold awesome. showed. Darnold showed at points he could be a top quarterback. He's gone. He's been in an absolute. He 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 lost and he he even though he lost once he was in a he was in a he stood toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers and and battled him completely. Last year he went six and two on the back end. Seven and six in his starts last year. Yeah, seven and six on an awful team with an awful team. He shows yep. he has potential, and I honestly believe he does. It's just about getting the right coach. The seven games they won last year were mainly because of the play of Jamal Adams and Sam yeah. Darnold. And, and completely also, the opposite. Oh, Adam and also, Gase. Just, they went despite Adam Gase. But also, I just want to compare one thing. I just want to compare one thing. And so, so much of the success of a young quarterback also depends on the team around him. I'm going to compare, uh, obviously, in terms, and I'm going to compare the two situations. I'm just saying, I'm going to compare Mark Sanchez to when Sam Darnold was there. Obviously, Sam Darnold is a lot better. But when you look at the team that they had around Mark Sanchez, like his early years, they had an absolute all-pro offensive line with Brickishaw Ferguson, now in Fanica, Nick Mangle. They had a strong, steady running game, and they had a top defense. And even though Mark Sanchez was never great, he never even completed, I think, over 58% of his passes. But it gets the job done because yep. – and two championship thing, games. They'll yeah. never get to the playoffs with Darnold like this. When you have no, when you have no team around you with a young quarterback, especially with an all head coach, you can't do anything. Yeah. Another thing is, other than like the situation Darnold is in, and you see like almost every play, he was getting pressured. The O line is just not there to help him. You have a third and fifteen screen, short pass. You know, it's like there. Are the, I told Jack this. There are these plays. Buffalo is just reading them out. You're. On third and fifteen, you gotta, you can't do a screen. Are you kidding? Like, why? And, and, and that, and it, and it wasn't just one play. It became time and time again. They kept doing a screen or a short pass that Buffalo kept on reading perfectly. Yeah, and also I'm gonna say that, like, like you said, like the plays on a, on a third and six. Why are we running a play that's thrown to the line of scrimmage? Can we run a play where the guy is at the marker, like, or just like? Another, just another example. And also just before we move on, I just want to say one thing about the defense. The defense, I'm not going to fully – the defense, they really couldn't work with much. They were set up – the Bills pretty much had good field position the whole day. Um, they had a lot of injuries. Obviously, Williamson was missing. And uh, Blake Cashman, he's like the – he was the Mike linebacker at the start of the game, but then he got hurt. And so pretty much that's right. what I'm going to say about that. All right, so Jets get creamed yesterday. We went in pretty deep on that. Let's move to the afternoon game with Aiden's team. Saints uh, looking pretty dominant, despite a pretty rough game from Drew Brees yesterday and Michael Thanks. Thomas, by the way. But they still beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Aiden, let me hear what you got. I mean, yeah, you said the Saints look dominant. I, I somewhat agree. I think the Saints look dominant almost in spite of, uh, of Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. And honestly, Sean Payton. Sean Payton had some pretty bad play calling in this game. Um, the... The, the offense for most of the, most of the game uh, outside of a couple drives looked completely dead. And that was really hard to watch um, on a team that's basically over the past three seasons scored at will. Um, they, they, didn't, they couldn't get things going in the running game. They couldn't get things going in the passing game. Um, fortunately, their defense stepped up big. 
picked off Tom Brady twice, um, one, returned one for a touchdown. Then they also had a blocked field goal and a uh, muffed kick return that they that they got a field goal off of. Um, so you know, when when all said and done, the Saints did the Saints defense and special teams more than made up more than enough to win the game. Uh, but I really, really hope that this is not a sign of things to come, because if it is, the Saints should definitely be afraid that that performance that they had is not going to be enough. It might be enough to win the division, but it's not going to be enough to win the win the uh, win the NFC and win the Super Bowl, uh, especially with the way that some of the other teams in the league have looked uh, offensively. I think that it was it was a really fun game to watch. And as I said last week, I was a little bit nervous about this game because I really don't know how this Tom Brady and, you know, dream team experiment down in Tampa is going to go. And after watching the game, I must say, I feel very, very confident that uh, Noah, like, like you've said, not only are the Saints going to win the division, but the Bucks aren't even going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think Tom Brady looked good. He had people last season were saying he just needed better targets or he just wanted to get out of new England. Well, he got both of those things and he still managed to get, you know, most of his quality yards in uh, garbage time. He couldn't complete passes to Mike Evans. He couldn't complete passes to Chris Godwin. He completed what two to Gronk, his favorite target ever. Um, he, he did not look like he was having a fun time. He looked his, a lot of his throws were looking inaccurate. Uh, and that was good for me to watch that was enjoyable for me as a Saints fan being able to see you know him not look at his best and, but and I want to know what you guys thought yeah I just want I want to point out it and you said it the Saints they looked they didn't look great on offense yesterday I guess I guess the word juggernaut would be a little much but Alvin Kamara was great on I think he had three touchdowns in his first game after the new contract two touchdowns two, two touchdowns two yeah, touchdowns in the first game first second. uh but more than more than what the Saints did, to me, the most important thing was Brady. And and look, you can't win in this league if, if you don't have above average or superstar quarterback play. It's really hard to do nowadays. And the Buccaneers roster is pretty good. They have a good defense. They, the defense was pretty good yesterday. They weren't you know they weren't dominant, but they were they were pretty good. They've got great weapons as we talked about, and they can run the ball now. You know they had Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, but did did they Fournette don't have a good quarterback? Get a carry. I don't think Fournette even got, got a carry. Like one or two carries. He got like yeah, he, yeah, he was there a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't catch him. He didn't have anything big. But the point is, Tom Brady is a below-average NFL quarterback, and I've been saying it all offseason. Last year, and I don't care what the weapons were, he wasn't good. He was inaccurate. It's not, and he 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 wasn't winning, or right? the team wasn't wasn't great, and they lost their first playoff game. Now that's three straight games for Brady. The last two last year in New England, and now this one with the pick six. That's one shy of the all-time record. I mean, I understand he's forty-three, and I understand he's the greatest, but. You can't win if you don't have an if you don't have above average quarterback play, and he's not an above average quarterback. Not and the team is going to be mediocre because of what he's doing. And and look, I feel bad for him. I understand that you know he was in New England for twenty years and did all this stuff, and now we're going to beat on him now. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're not the same guy, like just just hang it up already. And I that's just really all I got to say about it because this team's not making the playoffs if he plays like this, and he he's going to. It just yeah. goes to show what he is now. Tom Brady is a system quarterback. He, he excelled in, in Bill Belichick's system because Bill Belichick has a special way of taking any player and being able to make them look good while they're playing on the Patriots. You've seen it, especially with wide receivers. I mean, Danny Amendola and uh, Wes Welker are two big, notable players, and Chris Hogan as well. 
um, players who were god-awful before joining the Patriots and are god-awful after the Patriots, but for some reason, they're Pro Bowl caliber Pro Bowl caliber receivers. Julian Edelman won a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he would not even be close to that situation out of New England. Yeah. Uh, and Tom Brady, I mean, Matt Castle nearly led them to, nearly led them to the playoffs in 08. Cam so, Newton looked like a rejuvenated superstar yesterday, yeah, by Cam the way. Newton looked like, in MVP form. Yep. It's like yeah. I said last week, I said, well, when I was doing my top list, the reason I put Jalen Ramsey above like Stefan Gilmore is because I think a lot of players that go to New England are products of the system. I'm not saying Tom Brady is completely that. Obviously, the guy still has to have talent to win the MVP three times and to win six Super Bowls. Of course. Of, oh, of course. Tom Brady has talent. Away. Tom yeah, Brady is. I'm not going to take that away. Maybe. Obviously, he wasn't great yesterday. I do agree with you. He's not an above average quarterback. I think he's like right in the middle. But like you said, the Saints completely outplayed them yesterday. Um, I still think a lot of teams, though, a lot of teams kind of look sloppy. They didn't have that many, much practice time, no preseason. I'm sure he'll look better. I'm not going to say he's going to look elite, but I'm sure he'll look better as the season goes on. But, yeah, pretty much like you guys said, he, he wasn't like himself. He threw a lot of – he threw some picks. Some of his throws were completely off. Um, he didn't really look that good under pressure yesterday. I mean, his, yeah, his, really first, his, his first pick – I mean, I don't know if you guys were watching the game, but that first pick was five yards over the head of, I don't even know who he's throwing it to, into two Saints defenders. It wasn't yeah. even close. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, was, it wasn't even close. Maybe he sees ghosts now. It was just not – that was not Tom Brady like that game. And don't get me wrong, Aiden, I know you're happy to hear that, and I won't take anything away from the Saints. They completely deserve that win. And I'm not going to try and make an excuse for him to say it's only one week and, like Jack said, other teams have gotten – haven't practiced, but – this is not the Tom Brady that you would typically see. And especially, you know, I thought that he would do better, honestly, with a team with new weapons, a team that, you know, although he's not a Bill Belichick, I still think Bruce Arians is a decent, you know, guru. And, you know, it's like, this is just surprising. How does this not, I know he's 43, but it's like, you have everything in place for you. How does this not work out for you? I mean, what wrong is there? Like, it's one of those, like, I'm not, I'm trying to word it. I can't say it correctly, but I think yeah. you know what I'm trying to say. The other thing is I think the problem, we saw two very similar performances, I think, from Breeze and Brady this, this weekend. Uh, neither of them looked like they were on top of their game. Neither of them looked great in the passing game. Uh, but here's the difference. The Saints are built around having a dynamic offense. When Breeze, went, when Breeze was looking bad and when Breeze went down last season, they could build up around other guys uh, to, to win games, to keep winning games. But with Brady, if Brady's not passing well on this team, uh, they don't have anyone else they can fall back to. They can't just throw checkdowns all the time uh, and then run the ball. You know, that's not going to work right. with this team and then hope that their defense comes up big. But I, I think we should move on. We spent enough time on this. Hold on, just one quick thing. Just yes or no question for all of you. Because Bruce Arians did call out a couple couple, Patri- I mean, a couple, uh, couple Buccaneers today in his press conference. I saw some of it. He called out the offensive tackle, Donovan Smith, and he called out Brady a little bit. Is it panic time in New England? Yes or no? Or in Tampa Bay? I'm sorry. Tampa Bay. Is it, is it panic time in Tampa Bay? Yes or no? No way. Uh, they, they still have a chance no? of getting okay. second place in this division. Um, with okay. the way that the Falcons looked, eh. Um, and yeah. the Panthers also looked pretty, eh. Uh, there's anywhere. a chance. They could go anywhere from second to fourth. It's not yet. It's not yet to, uh, panic mode for me it's only okay. it's only week one I, I it's not everyone looks the best week one even jack said there's other some other teams as well look sloppy so you know it ta- i feel like sometimes it takes time for a team to gel together and perform better but all right so let's move on let's go to the sunday night game so we saw the cowboys and rams in a 
really, really competitive, close, low scoring yeah. game. And the Cowboys just didn't do enough at the end of the game. There was a controversial call, didn't go their way. Rams win by three. I think it was 17 14 was the final. What did you guys see from Dallas under Mike McCarthy in his first game as the head coach with a, with a kind of a new look team? I'll start. So pretty much the Cowboys, they looked, they looked okay. I mean, Zeke was still running the football pretty solid. Um, Dak was all right. I like, I, I like their defensive line. One guy I was happy for Like it was just, I don't know. Like he, he had, a, he had a sack in his first game back in a while. Alden Smith. I thought that was kind of, so that was nice. Um, and he forced an interception too. Whether that yeah, was, it was a controversial really call. I, I, but. Said, I said Alden Smith is going to be a, is going to be a big surprise this year. I said he's going to have a very good year. I not like pro, but like from what he once was when he was in San Francisco, like he still clearly has talent. Um, so that was nice to see. The, the thing that really cost the Cowboys the game is the on that fourth and three. I don't understand why you would go for it there and not kick a field goal. And also now I just want to say. I told you guys to watch out. My boy Jordan Fuller making that play of the game, stopping CD Lamb on that fourth and three. That was big. That was really loved it. Rams and tackles. I said, watch out. But Bergen anyway, County, New Jersey, represent. Yes, making the play of the night. Led the way with eight tackles for the Rams. I was shocked he was out there as much as he was. I will. Oh no, are, are you finished? Uh, just one more thing. So yeah, the Cowboys like Dak. He really wasn't great, and honestly, so in Mike McCarthy throughout that whole game, he didn't even seem like coaching was different. It was like, that was like the same situation against the Jets last year on that fourth and three. It was up to the Jets. It was fourth and two. You kick the field goal. It completely changes the game. I, I think actually I disagree with you a little bit. It was nice to see. It was refreshing to see the Cowboys. The Cowboys didn't beat themselves this time, which I feel oh, like they, they did half the time last season. Um, they didn't look like they went out there and played a better football game and then found a way to lose it regardless. They did get screwed on that, on that play. I will fully admit it. I hate the Cowboys, but Jalen Ramsey flopped. Uh, but it was nice to see them not, not lose because they messed up. They lost because they got unlucky and they didn't play as well in the end. I mean, that, that was kind of it. Yeah, I have to... Um agree with you Aiden this is the first time I felt like well not first time like where the Rams a team actually beat the Cowboys no disrespect to the Jets um I mean I feel feel like this it's I don't know what to think about the Cowboys I'll just say it was happy it was good to see them lose in the spotlight um once again Dak Prescott chokes in the spotlight on in um on prime time uh, but the question is, you know, a lot of people have been posting about this, talking about this, the pass interference call at the end. I, I mean, yes, I did see a little extension of the arm, but I thought, you know, I, th- I mean, I don't know about you guys. You guys will have your own view on this, but I thought, you know, that late in the game, I don't know if you could call that. I mean, listen, I I'll give Jalen Ramsey credit. He definitely sold that perfectly. But I just think, you know, late in the game, do you really call that type of play? I thought it was a good call, Dean. I mean, I understand it was controversial. I thought, I thought there was enough extension there to call it. I, but I agree. Think, if if it had been reviewed, it would have been turned back. But probably, yeah, I don't know. Real time, yeah. Close, it's close to tell. But uh, the really the big thing for me, and and you know, I'm I'm not a cowboy fan at all. I don't like the Cowboys. But honestly, I thought they did a lot well last night. I don't think Dak was very good, especially on third down. But I think the biggest thing that they did do, and this is a reason why they're going to win some games this year. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they'll win some games, maybe go eight and eight or so again, is they really looked to, to Zeke Elliott to, uh, to, to, to run that offense through. I mean, he had, I think it was 22 carries, nearly at 100 yards. 
He was pretty active in the passing game also, and I've said this for a long time. This is not Dak's team. This is Zeke's team. Get the ball to Zeke. Run behind your offensive line. It's a very good offensive line, although not as good as it used to be. Last, last night they struggled a little bit. But if you, if you can really rely on Zeke and make him the featured, featured guy in that offense, they'll win some games, and, and that's, that's, that's really the formula for them. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought Dak was pretty, pretty average, especially on third down. He, he struggled. But they've got a loaded receiving core, and if they can use those weapons as an as, as a added boost to what they have in Zeke already – They'll be fine. Defensively, they're not good, though. I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch is already out, and, and they're not great on defense. So yeah, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens there. Their yeah. defense is not stacked up to what they said. Uh, before we move on from football, I just want to – can I just talk about one last game? Go ahead. Uh, I want to talk about that, that Eagles football team game. I feel so weird to, to call them the football team still. Uh, Dean heard me mess up before, before the show. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Washington football team, they were down 17 to nothing. Uh, and in true, you know, Alex Smith form, making him proud, they came back from the dead uh, and scored 27 unanswered to take it away from uh, to take it away from the Eagles. And the Eagles, after after the second half, as has been the case for a lot of their games, they take a big lead and then they just kind of disappear uh, and either win by the skin of their teeth or lose. And in this case, they lost. Uh, Yes, you can blame the Eagles' O-line, eight sacks. Carson Wentz had a tough game through two picks, got sacked eight times, obviously. But boy, oh boy, I had fun watching uh, the Washington football team in that second half. Uh, can, I, can I get a minute to defend my man Carson Wentz for a second? Oh, of course. I'm not, I'm not attacking him for the record. I'm just saying. It, okay. it was a tough showing for him. Well, look, uh, yeah, I understand he didn't play well yesterday. You said the two interceptions, but – there were a lot of reasons for why for why that happened. Look, last year down the stretch when he had those four straight wins, the team was so banged up. I don't even know how he did it. At some point when you're that when you're that injured, you're going to fall back to the norm and lose some games and that's what happened yesterday. I know they had the early lead, but they were missing Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard the first round pick on the offensive line. That's three starters. You're playing a 38 or 9-year-old Jason Peters at left tackle again. So they didn't have they didn't have any luck there, and of course he got crushed with eight sacks. Uh, at running back, they didn't have Miles Sanders, their starting running back. That's a huge loss. So now all of a sudden you're relying on Corey Clement, who's past his prime, and I can't remember the other guy who Boston carried the ball. Scott. Uh, Boston Scott. I mean, who is he? So hey, go Boston. So so you know you have problems there, and then at receiver, they were really they really weren't a good team at receiver last year, and then they added Jalen Rieger, and he did a little bit yesterday, but you know Alshon Jeffrey was out, and so. Uh, they they lost their I can't remember who their free free agent acquisition was. He opted out of the season. Um, skip uh, uh Goodwin, uh, Goodwin, Marquise Goodwin. Marquise so they didn't have him. So overall, they were a pretty decimated team with injuries yesterday, and that's why they didn't win. Uh, if if they were healthy, I think Carson would have been good enough to hold on. And you know, I think they'll be okay. I mean, the Eagles are zero one two, and and Washington's not a threat, so they'll be fine. It's I know looking like Washington's going to be the, the way the game is going right now, and I could be regretting this by the time we post it. It's looking like the Washington football team is going to be sitting alone on top of the NFC East. Oh, wow. I mean, I was going to say that game, all you just saw was, and Noah mentioned eight sacks for the Redskins, a beaten up Eagles O-line and not enough time for Wentz throw. That Redskins front seven got to him. And, you know, the first half seeing the Washington football club, uh, not team, (laughs) you know, it it was, I thought, you know, okay, 17, nothing Eagles. And then the Redskins came back and it was like, wow. Um, okay, but it was against the beaten up Eagles team. 
I'm still not a believer in Dwayne Haskins. Sorry for any Dwayne Haskins supporters, but uh, sorry, Aiden. Um, I, I'm just still surprised that Washington kind of came out of that game, but good for them. Yeah. Time to move on then, Noah. All right. Yeah, let's move on. So let's move on to some baseball quickly. Today, Jack, as bad as awful and as bad as, as bad and as awful as yesterday was for us as Jet fans, today was a great day to be a Mets fan. Yeah. Stevie Cohen right. has officially bought the team. There was an official statement released a couple hours ago from the Mets. It is official. The only step from here that we need to take is he needs to be approved at the owners' meetings, which were actually postponed today. So we'll see exactly how that works. They're supposed to be in November. I don't know if they'll get pushed back or something. We'll have to figure that all out. But as, as far as we know, Stevie Cohen will be the owner of the Mets relatively soon, and he just has to get approved. So what are you thinking as we head into a pretty critical offseason after this team has really stunk it up for the last 50 or so games now that the season's almost over? Oh, I'm very, I'm very excited, but I, I want it. I just want this owners. I want the owners to approve him. Uh, just, I want it done. I want it signed on the dotted line. Everything, everything's set and nothing can go wrong. But I'm very excited. This offseason could be a very exciting one for the New York Mets. They'll have a lot of money to spend, and I think they're going to try and make a statement this offseason. But the thing that makes me the happiest in terms of what he's going to do, Steve Cohen, I feel, is a guy they say he's crazy about winning. If, like, say there's a chance, like, the Mets, like, they're in the middle of the pack, but, like, they can – they can they get – they're missing a piece or two. They make a trade. Maybe they can go for it and they'll get there. The Wilpons, they've never, they never go for it. They always just do enough and they never do that move to put them over the hump, which, um, which I like a lot. And also just hopefully from now on, we'll hire smarter people. Brody Van Wagden, start packing your bags because uh, you ain't going to be the GM anymore. But the biggest thing, the thing that I have about the most besides not even, not even about signing big time free agents the fact that we're going to keep our own guys. No longer are we going to let a perfectly good pitcher and who's having like a Cy Young caliber year this year and Zach Wheeler walk away. No, I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear that Michael Conforto is going to be let go for nothing. Whew. As he continues, give him to, that money. Seven he, years, a hundred million right now. As he continues to blossom into an MVP before our very eyes. Yes. All right, uh, so that was baseball. I, mean, I just want to do a quick segment there just to acknowledge the greatness of the $14 billion man, Stevie Cohen. So let's move on to something else that makes me very happy today. Oh, God. The LA Clippers have a game seven tomorrow. Did you guys know they have a game seven tomorrow? Game seven. Wait, 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 Noah, Noah, weren't they, weren't they up 3-1? As far as I knew, the Clippers were up 3-1 and the series was over. I don't huh, know. I, that's weird. Where did, where did Nicole Jokic come from? I don't even know. I, it's insane, isn't it? So anyway, game seven tomorrow, a winner take all. Winner goes to the Western Conference Finals to face LeBron, AD, oh, and the Dean. Lakers. Dean, look at Dean. Poor oh, Dean. I see Dean. So why, Dean, why, 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 do I, why, do this, why does this happen to me in the playoffs? <laughs> why can't I just get a team? This is this is about it. I want to hear it. This is Dean, my this is my history. Aiden. Aiden, this is like Let alone the Clippers, such as the Bills and the Islanders, underperforming injuries choking or just tanking once again the cycle of sucking has come to full circle i love this this is and what the I'm... Orioles. don't forget the orioles oh i'm not gonna even mention them we know <laughs> at the bottom of the barrel you know you know you know what no offense but but just what i what i love about you is the fact that you like you've picked your teams because uh outside of the the islanders really none of your teams are like hometown teams 
and yet somehow you still you picked all the bad ones you still are you still managed to find a set of teams that is more disappointing than the new york teams uh, it's, it's just a horrible. But also, I just was, I was laughing, and get me wrong, I want the Clippers to win, but I was, but I couldn't help but laugh as this was happening, just because I found it so hilarious. So literally, game, game five and six, they literally lost in the exact same oh, way. Yeah. Going into halftime, they were up by like fifteen, and then they looked like they were an AAU team. They couldn't even hit a shot. They can't shoot. Also, this is the big, the to me, this has been the biggest difference. The bench has just been terrible. Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell are completely gone. And I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say this is a, probably a big effect because of the bubble, because like, like the time off. I'm saying that's probably because like, like they look just awful. Like Montrezl Harrell, you're trying to get paid. Nobody's gonna pay you when you're playing like this. That's that's all I'm gonna say about that. But I mean, anything can happen. They could still win. But I'm as much as I wanna, as much as I don't wanna say it. If this is the, if they're gonna be playing like this, even if they win. They're not being the Lakers. Before um, before Noah goes on a rant, I just want to say, Jack and Dean, I'm sorry. I usually side with you guys on this stuff. Uh, no, you can't, can't side with us here. And yeah. the Lakers. You can't side with us. Yeah, Aiden. I, but but they do. The Clippers do not deserve uh, to win Game Seven the way they looked the past two yeah, games. You're no, you're 100 right. But yeah, Aiden. Noah, take it away. Aiden. I know you're oh, I've been so ready for this. Oh, I'm just gonna, Dean. I'm just gonna, let me tell you, I've been waiting for this for a couple days already. As soon as game six ended, I knew what I wanted. Here we go. This is my moment. All right. So, look. I said after game one that this series was over. I, the, the, the talent gap here is just enormous. The Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and all these great players, and Denver has Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. And that's really it. And it's like, how in the world did we get here? They've been up, as you said, Jack, 15 points or so in each, in each halftime, and they blow these leads. And, you know, they got, they, they got beat in the second half in game six. It was like 64 to 32 or something. It was like incredible. I mean, they got lost by 15 points or so per quarter. And they just look so asleep. And the, the, the thing is, you know, everyone has said all season, the Clippers, they're just, they're just waiting for the Lakers. They're just waiting for the conference finals and they'll wake up. And let me tell you something. They've got one more game to wake up or they'll never even get to that point where they can actually be – against the Lakers and, and overthrow, you know, the big, bad Lakers. They're not going to get to that point. And it's like, you see Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, you got to wake up. You got to make sure that this team is ready to play and you haven't. I mean, in the playoffs last year, game six and seven and game, you know, later, later games in the second round, he was the best player alive. He had 41 points in the game winner in game seven of the conference semifinals last year. And he's still napping. It's like he's in hibernation since quarantine. He hasn't woke up yet. And it's him, it's Paul George, it's, it's Lou, it's, it's Trez, it's Doc Rivers even. Like, wake up, guys. And, and, and talent-wise, they should obliterate Denver. They should beat the Lakers, maybe. I mean, look, the Lakers are a really talented team, and they're really good. But the Clippers, top to bottom, have a really great roster, probably a better roster than the Lakers. And right now, they've got no momentum. They look tired. They look bored. They look like they hate the bubble. They look like they're asleep, as I said. And somebody's got to stop this. It's, it's horrible. I don't think I can remember a team in my lifetime that was this talented, that has a chance to lose this early, maybe Milwaukee in this year, because I mean, I've never really seen a one seed like that lose so quickly, but I mean, the Clippers but, but the thing about Milwaukee, like, I just want to, I just want to cut in quickly here. Go ahead. The thing about Wait, Milwaukee that I think is a little bit different is Milwaukee, you know, or up until team. this point, up until the point where they lost, they did look to me completely dominant in the bubble. And then all of a sudden they just, 
fell apart and couldn't and couldn't win games. And the Heat do look good. Um, so I think part of it for the Bucks was, you know, they they were resting for so long, came back, didn't have the stamina to keep going. But the the Clippers, like you've been saying, it's been the entire bubble. They came back. No, and it's they, been the entire season. It, the, the end of the season from is well, start to start finish. The season from the start of the season, I thought they did look good. Mm-mm. They don't. They, this has been one of the more disappointing, dominant teams when they really lock in that I've ever seen. And and I understand there's this whole flip the switch argument. And and for most teams, I get it. I've said this before on the show. The Golden State Warriors, when they had Kevin Durant, they could flip the switch because they had Kevin Durant and they were the Golden State Warriors and they had won championships. This is not the Golden State Warrior. I mean, yeah, the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. They, they, they're not that good. I mean, they're a good team. They're not, they're not like that level. You've got to wake up. You've got to play hard. And if teams make threes and hit shots on you, you're going to lose. It's just that simple. You have to wake up. You've got three all-NBA caliber defenders on your, on, your, on your starting lineup. You've got a great bench. Just play like it. It's not that difficult. I mean, seriously, just play up the standard. And it's the playoffs. When are you going to peak? Teams peak in the playoffs when they win championships. And this team peaked, what, right before the end of the, end of the regular season, before the shutdown, when they yeah. beat the Rockets by 35 and, and, and were like 11-2 and two or whatever it was down the stretch? Is that your peak? Is that really the best time, the best time for you all season, the best, the best that you played? If that's, if that's the case, you're not going to beat the Lakers. You're not going to beat Denver. No you're definitely not going to win the championship. And you're going to go down as an all-time failure following one of the great heists in NBA history, getting Kawhi and Paul last summer. That's just what's, what's going to happen because LeBron and AD are locked in, ready to go. And if, if you get to the conference finals and if you win tomorrow and you get there and you guys are still sleeping, you're going to get swept. I mean, seriously, you're going to get swept. And, and that's just what I fear for the Clippers. And I, I feel bad because – no, you don't. Stop, like stop this, that phony stuff right it's, there. It's, stop that it's, phony it's stuff pathetic. right there. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Are you kidding me? You feel bad? That is uh, – stop it right there. That's as phony well, I as wanted, – I wanted to see the Lakers beat them. Stop it. I wanted to see Lakers Clippers. I wanted to see the Lakers Clippers. I wanted to see the Lakers Clippers. I did. I did want to see it. Lakers Clippers. But I'll say is this. I'll say is this. Like, everything you said is true. They've been asleep. But I'll say this. A game seven can completely change momentum. These are games that that define people's careers and define – these are the break. It's make or break. I'm just saying, with a big game seven win, this could be the exact jump start that they, they, they need. I'm not saying it's going to propel them to beat the clip, well, to beat the Lakers, but it could it could potentially jump start them. Sometimes sometimes you need to lose a little before you can win. Maybe maybe it will. And and look, I said before, Kawhi thirty. I think it was thirty nine or forty one points last year. He took nearly forty shots in game seven in the conference semis. If you play like that again, then I'll really start to think that this team is a contender and that if Kawhi puts them on the back, they can win the championship. But to this point, I haven't seen it. And it, it, Kawhi's been mostly good. I mean, he's, he's had some struggle shooting, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. It's got to be him, and it's got to be everybody that's locked in, ready to go both ends, offense and defense. you got, you got to be locked in. you got to be ready to go. Can I, um, can I um, chime in since this is the team of mine? Oh, yes, it can. Go for Let it, me sir. speak on behalf of my team that, just like other teams, as I mentioned before, Noah started, have stressed me out. Um, what is going on? This is not the LA Clipper team that I tend to enjoy before the shutdown, as uh, you guys would know. This is not this is not Clipper basketball. I mean, this is just like 2015 all over again. And just watching them, I'm just like, is this 2015 all over again? Are we cursed? Is this what this franchise is coming to? And it's like you know the basement boys, especially who um, you mentioned, Aiden. Because my teams have a worse track record than the New York teams. As someone who's kind of running out of patience, I would love to see a team of mine. You yeah, know, just switch teams. 
when six teams. Here's the thing, the bandwagoner. No one's something. gonna. No one's gonna attack you. You can't buy. You can't teach heart, and you can't buy loyalty. You can't put a price on it, and that's why I'm gonna stay with my teams forever. But it's painful that you know. It's like when are you guys gonna do anything? I mean, the only one that's impressed me, although this is a different sport, is the team. The team that I love in hockey. Uh, uh, Noah, you too, of course. I know you're an Islanders fan. But the Clippers, it's like, you know, I had so much expectations for you guys. And you, you can't be half asleep. You can't let your ego or talent get the best of you. I understand if you're up 20, okay. But in a game, in the, especially in the playoffs, you cannot show mercy. You have to keep yeah. pouring it on and show no mercy. you got to keep going. You cannot fall asleep on the job. And that's what they're doing. They're letting their, their ego and everything get the best of themselves. They're getting too comfortable. I would normally blame Paul George, but Paul George has at least, you know, stepped up finally. But the rest of the team needs to step up. And I think Doc needs to play Zubak more than Harrell. I think Harrell's not yeah. played a good series despite – I think it was game five or six. He had 15 points. I thought he was okay. Hey, I think play Zubak more. You got to – Reggie Jackson's got to play more. You got to give some of these guys more minutes. I hold mean, up, Dean. Hold on. You hold can't on. be what? stopping again. Just want to point out one thing. So you say play Zubats more. I agree with you. Zubak has given Jokic a harder time than Harrell has. I don't, I don't think they have anybody that can stop Zubats. I really, do. I mean, that can stop, that can stop Jokic. Excuse me. I, I don't see it. Who, who do they put on him? They've tried Paul George didn't work. They tried Zubats didn't work. They tried Harrell. Who do you try? You saw in those four games, Zubak gave Jokic a harder time. Although Jokic has played good at Game Five and Six, they're playing Harrell more, and Harrell's also taken some very questionable shots. I think some of these guys are going to need more minutes and. For Doc Rivers, you cannot be stubborn. You, this happened in 2015. You can't be stubborn and act like everything's fine. You got to change something up. This is – you can't – you don't want to relive 2015 all over again. So you've, you've got one game tomorrow, Dean. It's winner take all, as you know. You really want them to change the rotation after they've been playing the same seven or eight guys or so for the entire series? You really want them to go – Yeah, I'm going to have to decide with Noah here. I mean, I mean, that sounds a little crazy. Now, let me – hold on. It's let me explain. the past two games. X-Factor. Aiden, let me tell you something. I get playing these guys. But I'm saying, like, give Reggie Jackson more minutes. Give Zubak more minutes. Give but he some hasn't played it at all. He's got to play, play, play off his rust. Reg, stop it. Reggie Jackson has played well. I think I thought he played pretty decent against uh, Dallas and hasn't got much time on the floor against them. He had a huge game against Dallas. He had huge, four huge fourth quarter threes. That really I understand, but he hasn't played this whole series, really. Is he going to have to be able to – is he going to play time. off the rust in a game seven? That seems kind of crazy. That seems that's, like a lot to a ask risky for a backup move, point guard. But, but you gotta come ready to play. That you, you know it might be their last when option. Called. When your number's called, you gotta <laughs> be you, ready. It, I, like Dean, Dean, don't get me wrong. I'm siding with Noah here, but it, at this point, it might be the last option. Like they looked awful the past two games. Why not switch something up? Yeah. I, I'm on the side where I think they should stick with what they've been doing. But what could hurt? Yeah, you got your, season, your season could go down the drain. That's what could hurt. You have nothing to lose. You gotta just go for it. Their season's going down the drain already. Yeah. And one other thing I just want to point out before we move on, doesn't this to, it feels like to me that this is going to be the least pressurized game seven ever for the Denver Nuggets. They're playing with house money. If they lose, nobody will care. If they yeah. win though, oh my God, they'll reap the benefits and people will really start to take them seriously. I haven't been a big Denver supporter the last few years. I really didn't think that they were too special. But if they can win tomorrow and win this series, oh my goodness, I'll, I'll think of them in a different light. And boy, will people really hate on the Clippers because they were supposed to be something something really special. And if they lose in the second round to this team after blowing a lead like this, a 3-1 lead, 
Oof, you bet you better watch out, Dean, because this is going to be a tough summer for your Clippers. Let me tell you. So they've got to win tomorrow. It's, it's they really got to save face. They, it's it's make or break tomorrow. I I've even said it before to Jack. My patience and faith has been running out, especially oh, the past two games. It's hard to keep faith when you see stuff like this happen again and again. It's deja vu all over again for the LA Clippers from 2015 against the Rockets to possibly now, possibly now. Should I say? Oh, I All right. We'll see yeah. tomorrow, 9 o'clock ESPN. Definitely tune in to watch it. All right. Uh, for our last segment, as we always do, we'll do some winners and losers. I think we could talk about them quickly. Dean, would you like to go first? Uh, for my winners, I like to say the Big Ten. So for those who haven't heard the news, the Big Ten ha- is expected to approve of the return to play. Um, the Pac-12 is thinking about, a, I think, mid-November return or somewhere in November they're thinking about returning. So there might be more college football after all. There may be more conferences that are joining. Uh, I believe Justin Fields was a huge part of this and Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, Ohio my big State winners are the Big Ten hard. and possibly the Pac-12. Very well. Uh, my loser is all Jets fans. We just We just deserve better. Aiden? Uh, my loser this week, I actually have two. First is uh, me and fantasy uh, for benching in different leagues, but I just want to go through some players that I benched in fantasy. Calvin Ridley, Ooh. 33 points. Uh, let's see. Sammy Watkins, 21 and a half points. John Brown, 19 points. Uh, hopefully, Philip Lin- I don't get uh, kicked for benching Philip Lindsay. Uh, he's about to play. But those are just some, some, some of the players that I benched this week. Not a great week for me in fantasy. Um, and then the other loser I have, uh, PSG. Uh, because earlier, earlier this week, there was an announcement. Uh, Mbappe is saying he's considering or he, he wants to move on from the team uh, in 2021. Not looking good for them. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a huge fan of soccer, but uh, they are the team that I support for the most part. Um, and, you know, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be very good for them because he is one of the best players in the world. So. Don't you love when a game comes into full plan and they just PSG? No, I'm just kidding. They had like five red cards the other day and 14 yellow cards or something like that in their games. So there's also that. Yeah. Uh, so if, and if he leaves, what does Neymar want to do? Does Neymar want to leave too? Who knows? Yeah. All right. For my winner, uh, this one's easy for me. Definitely my man, Aaron Rodgers, beating the team that I thought was going to win the division, the Minnesota Vikings, yesterday in a dominant Aaron Rodgers primetime performance. He was 32 of 44. That's a very good completion percentage. 364 and four touchdowns, no picks. Classic Aaron Rodgers, one of the great quarterbacks to ever play this game. And I think he really shut some people up after yesterday. I actually tweeted, I said, you know, look, I hope the idiots that are running the Green Bay Packers, mainly Brian Gunkust, feel really stupid today because they saw their great quarterback dominate an elite defense. And this goes after they picked a quarterback. And I know you love him, Dean, but Jordan Love in the first round, I don't get it. Any Jordan Love slander. I'm not hating on Jordan Love. I'm just saying, why'd you pick him in the first round? And they picked a running back, A.J. Dillon, in the second round, who got two carries yesterday. He did nothing. So you had a chance to draft a wide receiver. You didn't take one and you're stuck with Devontae Adams and a whole lot of nothing. And yet still your quarterback goes for 364 and four TDs and a win. What would have happened if you would have taken a real receiver in the draft and taken somebody in the top two rounds, then you'd be really special. So that's yeah. my winner of the week. Aaron Rodgers really shut some people up yesterday. And hopefully 
uh, this is a really a start of a really successful season for the Packers because they can deserve it after a really awful and tumultuous offseason there. Yeah. Also, just because I wasn't going to do it, but I'll also say I'm a loser in fantasy. Well, one of my leagues I won, I won our league. But the other, my league for my hometown friends. So, of course, one of the guys I'm playing, he didn't switch out his lineup. So, he was playing Miles Sanders. So, I'm like, all right, great. So, this guy's inactive. I'll probably definitely get a win. But, of course, my, the two wide receivers I played this week were Michael Thomas and Cooper Cup, who both <laughs> – Absolutely did not show up. And who was his receipt? Who was, who was he? Of course he had, Matt, he had Matt Ryan, 35. He had Chris Carson, 27. And he had Devontae Adams for 41. <laughs> so of course I lost by six. Ooh. Ah, all right. I'm, fantasy. That's tough. All right, guys, that'll do it for us in this episode. Make sure you check us out on the various social media platforms. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we've got Instagram. We've got a lot of different things. So make sure you check all that out. Uh, make sure you check us out on YouTube and on Spotify. That's where you can view our latest episodes. So uh, hope everyone's doing well, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon for our next episode. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys.